We have sound. Uh, let's give it up for our sound team here in the back. How's everybody doing? We doing okay? I hope we're doing better than okay, right? Hey, just because Easter last week doesn't mean that Jesus, Jesus raises every day in our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm excited to be with everyone today. And uh, I know we've had some technical difficulties, but again, I want to give it up for our sound team. Uh, they do such an amazing job uh, to get this running every week. And so uh, we're, uh, we're actually beginning a series today called Fulfilled. And uh, I'm just going to jump right in to the passage. Uh, I love the scripture that I'm going to preach to you uh, week one of our series today. And my hope is that this wouldn't be just a series. You know, sometimes when we, we, we cover a topic in a series, like one of my concerns is that it's just going to be like a, a trend for a few weeks. Like, you know, last year we, we really focused on the Holy Spirit. And so my, my, my fear was like, I, I don't want this just to be a theme or a series that we do for four weeks. And then we put it on the shelf for a few years and and then maybe, you know, a few years down the line, we'll, we'll dust it off and come back to it. But that this would really become a part of who we are. Amen? And, and, and I think that uh, with this series fulfilled, my hope is that it wouldn't be just a series, but this, this would be a season. Everybody say season. That this would be a season where God is going to show you the true source of satisfaction and fill you to overflowing until every dry place in your life is well watered. Come on, somebody. I feel it today. What about you? You feel it? Okay, by the end, hopefully you will. All right, well, check out this scripture. I want to read it to you in uh, Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can look at the screen. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. This is at the end of the book of Joshua. So he says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it. And what does it say? And settled there. Settled there. Now listen, you don't want to settle until you're there. Right? So you don't want to settle in a place where God didn't call you to live he just called you to pass through. And I just wanted to remind you this morning that, that we're passing through this place we call earth, right? Like this isn't where we're ultimately going. Uh, we have a place prepared for us in heaven to be with God forever, for, for eternity. And so I just want to let you know, don't get too comfortable today. Don't settle. Everybody say, don't settle. Don't settle. And he goes on to say in verse 44, the Lord gave them rest on every side. Anybody need rest? Can I see a raise of hand? Anybody feel like they need rest today? Yeah, I need some rest. Everybody take a deep breath. Yeah, yes. We need rest. And just as he had sworn to their ancestors, not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. It does not say not one of their enemies fought against them didn't say that. It just said that their enemies couldn't stand up against them because when God is fighting for you, nobody can stand against you. And so here's our theme verse for the series, verse 45. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Not one of them. And I know that this is a, a passage for the Israelites. I know this is a specific passage, but I just feel like we could probably insert our names into this passage that not one of the Lord's good promises to Mike failed. In fact, I want everybody to say your name on three. One, two, three. That not one of the Lord's good promises to failed. Right? In 1 Corinthians it says that, that, that in Jesus every promise is a yes. It's a yes. It's fulfilled. I love that. And it says everyone was fulfilled. So I want to preach to you for a few moments. Uh, I want to talk about this subject with you this morning. Give and take. Give and take. 
I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to ask them, are you a giver or are you a taker? Go ahead and ask them. Okay, and, and let them respond. Okay, wait to see what they say. If you would bow your heads with me as we pray for the message this morning. Father, thank you that uh, we are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, God, that, that, that under his name, God, that right now we can come to you with confidence and with boldness. God, we realize that there is nothing that we could ever do to deserve your favor. There's nothing that we could ever do to deserve your love and your presence in our lives. And we only know that it's because of Jesus that we get to gather this morning to sing to you, to give to you, God, to love you and to receive from you. It's only because of Jesus. And so we want to lift him up. God, we want to say thank you. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall heavy and open our hearts to whatever it is that you want to speak to us today, that, God, we would not walk out of here without hearing you speak to us today. God, we know you speak through your word. And so open our hearts. We are so excited, God, to be together to worship you and to honor you this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give and take. Give and take. Uh, you know, we're approaching a season in our church where, you know, everybody who really calls our church home is praying about an offering to bring to God. Because you see, on May 1st, we're taking up our, our yearly special missions. And so we always do this, and it's mostly to bless churches uh, in Latin America, churches all over Mexico and Central America. And, and last year, uh, I can't remember how much we raised. How much did we raise last year, Peter? $180,000 uh, we raised last year. Part of that was to support some local things, but most of it went to Latin America to support churches, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that everybody can experience the love of God and respond and give their lives back to him. Come on, somebody. Come on. Anyways. And so people give every week in our church. People give every week, and this is what we call a tithe, right? And a tithe is a, a 10%. It's the first 10% of everything that we earn in our income. And then there are offerings. We have tithes, and then we have offerings. And it's really amazing because it's not, it, it not only represents a time to build the church, but when we build up the church globally, we build the faith of the people who make up the church individually, and so every year we pick a theme. You know, last year we, we, we had this theme, uh, the passport to a land of enough. So we said, get your passport because we're going somewhere, right? And, and the year before that, our theme was uh, how to be rich. How to be rich because, you know, anybody else want to learn how to be rich? Okay, no, I'm the only one. Okay, so uh, we learned how to be rich. And so uh, this year we have simplified it to one word. Amen. And that word is fulfilled. Fulfilled. Ask the person next to you, are you fulfilled? Go ahead and ask them. Are you fulfilled? Turn to the person that you neglected on the other side and say, are you fulfilled? <laughs> are you fulfilled? Are you fulfilled? Because I, hey, I know, I think I can assume, I know that your life is full. That's not really what I'm asking you. I know you got appointments and meetings and deadlines and practices and homework and bills and messes and stresses. Should I keep going? I'm good. I know your life is full, but that's not what I'm asking you. I asked, are you fulfilled? Because I feel 
I feel like there has never been a time more than now where lives have been fuller while souls are emptier. And I know fuller is probably not a good word choice, but hey, I'm preaching, so I get to use fuller, you know? So anyways, I just feel like there's never been a time more than now where, where lives have been fuller, yet souls have been emptier. In fact, I heard a preacher put it this way, uh, put it this, way this week. His name is Ken Costa. He said, we got too much to live with and too little to live for. Too much to live with and too little to live for. Why is that? How could this be? Like, why is this happening? With so much information and so many opportunities. You know, I came across a book this week. I actually read books every once in a while, uh, if you were wondering. And uh, the name of this book is actually the same name of this message. It's called Give and Take. Give and Take. And it's written by this guy. Uh, His name is Adam Grant. I think that's his name, Adam Grant. And uh, what he talks about, uh, because you know on Amazon you could always read like the first two or three chapters. They give it to you for free. Right? So I was cheap like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to buy it, you know, but I'll read the first few chapters. And so I read the first few chapters. That was actually really good. And so what he proposes in this book is that there's really three types of people. So I'm about to label every one of you, okay? There, there's three types of people. Do you want to know who they are? Okay, we got, we got the givers. Everybody shout if you're a giver. Okay, that was pretty... That was pretty confident there. That's pretty confident. You got the givers, and, and then you got the takers. Let me hear all the takers make some noise. Yeah, this, this section was uh, especially loud up here. You know, I've never, in like the last almost six years I've been doing student ministry, I've never had anybody, you know, come to me and tell me, you know, my problem, Mike, is that I give too much. And even the other side of that that question, I've never had anybody come to me and just say, you know what, Mike, the source of my problems in my life is that I'm just a taker. I just can't stop taking from people, Mike. Like, no one's ever said that. I mean, usually when you talk to people about their problems, they things like, you know, I'm just... I'm just so compassionate. You know, I heard students, they say this to me sometimes, you know, like everybody comes to me with their problems at school. I don't know why, but everybody wants to come to me with their problems. And, you know, I just try to do too much for too many people. And I just can't say no. I just can't seem to say no. I've never heard somebody say, you know what? I just can't seem to say yes. I never help anybody with their issues because I'm just so consumed with myself. Never heard that. Anybody else have heard that? Probably not. Probably not. But let me ask you, do you know any takers? Anybody? Do you know any takers? Okay, see, that's easier to answer. I mean, I think that's an easier or maybe a better question to ask because it's kind of hard to self-identify yourself as a giver or a taker. You're, You're probably a little biased in your assumption there. And so does anybody know any takers? Do you know anybody who's a taker? You know, I think every relationship, every relationship has someone who is predominantly a, ta- a, a giver. Every relationship has somebody who is, for the most part, the giver. And somebody in that relationship is happy to fulfill the other side of that equation. Right? Oh, you said you're a giver. Well, this is going to work out great because I'm a taker. I love to take. Like in my household, it goes a little something like this. My wife says, oh, I like to, oh, I say this to my wife, you like to cook? Well, well, I like to eat. And she says, well, you like to clean, I like to make a mess. Is she here? Is she here? Yeah, she's not in here, so it's good, it's good. It's good. It's being recorded. It's cool. Don't tell her I said that. And and so you got your givers, and, and then you got your takers. But most of us, we would we would probably 
say, you know, we're somewhere like in this area, right? Like most of us would, would say we're probably somewhere in the middle. And what my man, Adam Grant, called these people, he, he called them matchers. Matchers. Everybody say matchers. You got your givers, you got your takers, and you got your matchers. And the matchers are the people who are always trying to figure out how much you gave me, right? Oh, we'll split the bill three ways, and it's going to be $7.68 each person, right? And if they could break that 68 cents down into a smaller number, a more precise number, they would, okay? Because they are matchers. They want to match. They don't want to pay more than they have to. They want to match. Well, I didn't really even eat that appetizer. See, I only had one chip, and you, well, you, you pretty much ate the whole thing. And so I, I think that you should probably pay for a little bit more of that appetizer. Anybody ever seen a matcher before? Okay. I see people pointing in directions, yeah. We have givers, we have takers, and we have matchers. Every marriage has a giver and a taker. And uh, after you've been married a little while, it's kind of like, hey, well, why, why don't we meet somewhere in the middle? Because you get to know that person, you get to know their habits a little bit, and so you're kind of getting a feel for each other. And, and so it's like, hey, hey, why don't we meet somewhere in the middle? And if you give me enough, I promise not to take too much. And so I start out giving, but I give, I give, I give, I give, I give until I have nothing left to give. And honestly, and this is where a lot of problems start to happen in a marriage. When we feel like it's not reciprocal, but it's one person who's giving and giving and giving and giving. And they get tired of giving. And a lot of times the problems happen in this place because, you know, there's somebody else who's, who's, who's more than willing to give you the attention that you need out there. And it feels good to be given to. And so you start having these thoughts like, well, I wonder what it would be like to not be in this marriage. Because you didn't meet me in the middle. Every marriage is give and take, Yeah. Every relationship, I mean, look at parenting. Parenting is give and take, right? Parents give and you take and take and take and take and take. They start out taking from you in the womb if you're a mom. And they end up taking from your bank account. It's a give and take relationship. And, you know, even though my daughter is 20 months old, actually tomorrow is her, is her 20 month old birthday. I know nobody really cares, but I, but I care about that. And, uh, and I know this to be true. Even though she's 20 months old, I've been in the high school ministry for uh, just about six years now. And uh, when it comes to paying a bill at a restaurant, students are pretty much always takers. I could say that confidently, with, with, with a little confidence in my voice. I think they're, for the most part, they're, they're takers. I've never heard a student say, you know what, Mike, maybe once or twice, maybe, very rarely. Never heard a student say, you know what, Mike, don't you worry about it, man. It's on me tonight. <laughs> never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never. Maybe once or twice. You want to know what I hear when we get the bill? Dude. I forgot to ask my mom for money. Which really means, Mike, you got me, right? You know? I'm like, no, go wash some dishes. Just kidding. It's a give and take relationship. Every church has some givers and some takers. 
It got quiet. I mean, if it's going to grow and, and it's going to reach people and feed the hungry and lift those who are discouraged and get the gospel out to the world, then you've got to have some givers who, who give their time, who give their money, who give their prayer, who give their praise, who give their encouragement, who, who give their love, who give their lives, just like Jesus loved the church and he gave himself up for her. But the thing is, when, when, when the givers are really good at giving, it makes it that much easier for the takers to settle and get comfortable and start coming to church every week with this mindset, I'm here to get. Emphasis on the word get because you got something, but what did you give? And I think what bothers me about it is, that, you know, it's okay to start out as a taker, right? There's nothing wrong starting out as a taker. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when you're a baby, what else can you do? You're just like helpless. You need to get fed somehow, but if you're still on the bottle after three or four years, then it's time to graduate to the next level. You know what I'm saying? It's like in Hebrews 5, he, he, the writer of Hebrews is talking to the church. He says, hey, you ought to be teaching, but I find out you still need milk. You're still infants. I would love to give you solid food, but you can't handle it. I think it's time to go to the next level. Amen? So in Joshua chapter 21, the land the people inherited is finally being divided up, okay? So God had promised this land to the Israelites, and they finally have taken possession of the land, and it's being divided up between everybody, and the people fought for this land. And so if you read Joshua chapters 1 through 13, you're going to read about their conquest. You're going to read about things when they crossed the Jordan River, and the waters stood up. And the people walked across on dry ground, just like they did when they crossed the Red Sea from Egypt. You're going to read about things like Jericho. When God asked them to do something that seemed so crazy. But they did it. And God brought those walls down. And you read about AI and how really, you know, uh, the, the people fell into some sin. And, and God, there was some punishment that happened and they had to kind of get a new strategy together. And so you kind of read about all these things as they went into the promised land, and you can see how Joshua was able to lead the people uh, into what Moses was, was unable to lead them into. Joshua was able to take them somewhere that Moses was not able to take them. Joshua was able to lead them not to settle where they were, but to take the land that God had promised them, and they did it in such a powerful way. And when the writer wants to summarize how all this happened, look at what he says back in verse 43. He says, so the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. The Lord gave. What did he do? He gave. The Lord gave. What I like about this is it says that he gave them all the land he had promised to give their ancestors. Everything God promised, he gave. How many of you are glad that God keeps his promises? How many of you are glad that God is a giver? Okay, amen. I'm glad you raised your hand. If there's a reason why I believe most people don't give their life to God, I think it's because they think that he is a taker. Which makes no sense at all if you think about it because what do you have that God actually needs? Seriously. I mean, it's absolutely crazy to think that if God needed anything, he would tell you about it. 
And yet people, especially the next generation, grow up with an image of God that he is a taker. That he is a taker. And they don't want to come to a taker. Because I'm afraid that if I come to a God, you know, he's going to, if I'm going to come to God, he's going to take away my life. And he's going to take away my joy. And he's going to take away my fun. He's going to take away my choices. And he's going to take away my decisions. God wants to take. You know, he's presented like that. That's why I think how we portray God in our church is important. How we treat one another in this church is important. And I found out that in my own personal experience that God is not just a giver, but he's an outgiver. He outgives. I mean, forget about a giver. God is an outgiver because when you give him something, he will multiply it and give it back to you bigger than it ever was when it left your hands. Seriously, I, uh, in May, I, separate, I celebrate eight years since I came back to God and I was restored in my relationship with him. And I could tell you the little bit that I gave God in that day, God has given it back so much more to me. I look at my wife, I look at my, my daughter, I look at all these kids up here. My kids, they're, they're young adults. I look at these, these, these young men and women and, and I look at my life and God has given me back way more than I ever gave because he's an outgiver. I mean, ask the little boy who gave his lunch to the disciples, you know, the, the loaves of bread and the fish. And the disciples gave his lunch to Jesus. And when Jesus got finished it with it, not only did everybody get their, their stomachs full, but there was 12 bags of leftovers because God will not be outgiven. I want you to tell three people around you, God is a giver. And I want you to say it with faith. I want you to say it like you mean it. God is a giver. God is a giver. I mean, seriously, you need, you need to embrace the reality that God is a giver. I feel like for some of us, we feel like that's a bad thing. But it's crazy to think that that, that our Father in heaven wouldn't want to give to us. Like we really need to embrace and, and, and receive and accept the reality that God is a giver. I mean, every day is a gift. Every, de every death, every breath is a gift. That went wrong for a second. Every beat of your heart that keeps you alive is a gift from a God who has given you every piece of ground that you've ever stood on. He's a giving God. You know, one time Job, anybody read Job before? Yeah, we've read Job. Yeah, some of us. One time Job was confused because he had, he, he was really confused because he had lost everything that he had. He lost everything that was important to him. And he began to wonder what kind of God would allow this to happen. And then God gave him like a revelation in this moment. And he said this in Job chapter 1, verse 21. The Lord gave. The Lord what? Gave. And the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He gave it to me. He took it away. I praise his name. I've learned that sometimes the things that God took away from me turned out to be the greatest gifts that he ever gave me. Because he's a giver. And, and, and if there is something you need to believe about God, believe that he is a living and giving God. It's not a bad, it's, I mean, this is amazing. He, he lives to give. And if you are his child, then you should be a giver, just like your heavenly father. You know, when I was growing up, I thought my dad was the most handsome dude ever. Seriously. Kevin Mead, y'all. Uh, I love the guy to death, and I wanted to look literally, I just was hoping that I look exactly like we would be twins when I grow up. 
and I wanted to be a construction worker like he was. I wanted to have a red Chevy Silverado like he had. I mean, I, I just thought my dad was it, you know? I wanted to be just like him, and, and if, if our God is a giver, then I think we should want to be just like our father. We should want to be just like him. But we get, we get, we get, we get, we get, 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 and get. And have you ever noticed that the takers are always the most empty people? Mathematically, that, that doesn't make really any sense. But it just seems like the more I take, the emptier I feel. And the more I give, the fuller I get. I mean, look at what, you know, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, this is the message version. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, the world of the taker gets smaller and smaller. Because when you approach every situation looking for what you can get out of it, your heart gets small. But when you approach every situation looking for what you can give to it, your heart grows. Come on, you've all experienced a time in your life where you gave, you served, and, and the joy that welled up within you was so much more than you even gave. I mean, I wonder when you walked into this room today, did you give any encouragement to somebody? Seriously, did, did you give some encouragement? I hope so. Or were you so desperate for encouragement that you, you got a bad attitude about who didn't give you encouragement? The encouragement you thought you needed, but now you're still bone dry. But if you would have encouraged somebody, God would have encouraged you because God is an outgiver. He's a giving God. And so the more you take, the more you need. The more you give, the more you have. It's a mystery. It's really weird. I mean, can I give you the equation for emptiness? No? Okay. You're lost. I'm just kidding. I'll let you know. Here's the equation for emptiness. When you, when you take where God wants you to give, you will always come up empty. When you take where God wants you to give, you will always come up empty. In relationships, a lot of guys in the world pursue women to see if they will have sex with them. You know, this guy really doesn't want to treat her with respect and be faithful to her and be faithful to God. He just wants to take what he wants in the moment. And the truth is, he will always end up uh, unsatisfied. Every single time, because being a taker leaves you empty. It never fills you. It doesn't fill you. It doesn't ever fill you to put other people down. It doesn't ever fill you to talk about people behind their back. And you think you're taking from them. But the reality is, is that you're taking from yourself and you will always come up empty. Many times we're so empty because we're consuming and not contributing. It says that God gave them. It says that God, the Lord, gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. He, the, Lord, the Lord gave because that's who he is. He gives. Israel, that's his people. All the land, that was his promise. He, the Lord gave Israel all the land. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has promised me. And I don't want one thing he hasn't. I want the relationships that God wants for me, and I do not want the relationships that God doesn't want for me. I want the job that God wants for me, but I do not want the job that God doesn't want for me. I want everything that God has promised to give me in my life, but I do not want, not, do not want one thing he hasn't. And so they're dividing up the land here in Joshua 21 and, and they're giving it out 
And so the writer stops to tell us that after everything they've been through, after all the conquests that they've gone through, the Lord gave, all, gave Israel all the land that he has sworn to give their ancestors. But, but look at what, it, what he says. And, and they took. Everybody say took. And they took. Wait a minute. Give and give and I'm looking for some more participation. Give and thank you. I told you earlier that, that when you take, when God wants you to give, you will always come up empty. But could it be possible that there is also a time to take? Because it said that the, that the Lord gave and they, the Lord and they give and amen. There's a time for both. There's a time for both. You should be encouraged by that because you will end up empty. You will end up empty when you take when God wants you to give. But can I also let you know that you come up empty when you give what God has called you to take? It said that God gave them the land, but they still had to step foot in it and take it. It said that God gave them a gift, but they still had to go in and claim it. Some of us are empty because we don't take what God gives. We don't possess what he promised. He gave you his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that you could have an eternal relationship with him. But just because he gave you his one and only son doesn't mean you have a real relationship with him. He wants to give you peace and joy and hope, but just because he promised it doesn't mean you possess it. You see, you have got to be a taker of what God gives. You've got to be a giver and a taker. And our problem is we get those two things mixed up. We get them mixed up. We take what God wants us to give and we give what God wants us to take. Some of you have given up on God. Now, you would never say that, but, but some of you have given up on God. Some of you have given up on your children because you feel like they're just so far off at this point that there's really no way back. Some of you have given up on your marriage. Some of you have given up on your dreams, but today is the day. I said, but today is the day. And this is the season of your life where you stop complaining and you stop worrying and you let go of that regret and you let go of that bitterness and you give out forgiveness and you begin to take hold of everything that God wants for your life. Come on, somebody. It's time to take a hold of it. All that he's promised to give you. Everybody say, you can take it. Say it again with faith. You can take it. You can take it. You know, the reason their enemies couldn't stand up against them is because God was bigger within them. And if God is for you, who can be against you. The Lord gave and they took, but, but how do you know when to give and when to take? Well, I, I want to just make a quick reference because about a month ago I did a message called uh, It Goes Both Ways. It talked about God's love, right? And in this passage here in 1 John 4, it says, this is love, uh, not that we love God. See, the, the reality is, is you don't even really even know how to love God, but, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, he didn't just love you, he so loved you. We also ought to love one another. I made a point that you can't give what you never got. You can't give what you never got. God wants you to have his Holy Spirit. He wants you to take it. Take it. He wants you to have peace and joy and love 
and fulfillment. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I want you to take it. I want you to take from me my love and be filled and overflowing so that you ought to love one another so that you can now go out and give from what I have given you. That's how you give. Because look at what happens in verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made more complete in us. You see, nobody's ever seen God, but by your love, by the way you love one another, people see God. It's like God sends down his love from heaven. He sends down his love from heaven and we send it out. We send it out. The Lord gave and they took. The Lord gave and they took. And they took from what God gave and they gave and the Lord gave and they took and then they took what God gave and, and then they, they gave some more. And so this is really what happens every time we tithe, isn't it? God gives and, and, and we take and we take and then we give and we take. And Am I right or am I wrong? This is what we do every time we tithe 10% to God. I mean, you understand that, right? You see, God gave you the whole 100. He gave you all 100%. So you take the tent and you put it aside and you give it back to God and let him know, hey, everything comes from your hand. It's awesome that God would let you keep 90. And, and, and he only keeps 10. How can you argue the reality that God is a giving God? when he gives you 90 and he takes 10. Give, there's a scripture that says give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. And so I give it back to you, God. I give it back. Oh yeah. I think that was the Academy Award moment. They're like, get off stage, okay? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I think I still have a few more minutes. Okay? But God has a purpose for your life. Like, really, like, look at me. Everybody look at me right now. Looking at me. God has a purpose for you. But you have to take what he gave. God has been trying to give you some stuff, and you haven't taken it. And so now you're empty because you didn't take what God gave. Well, Mike, you know, I'm not so sure that God wants me to be a taker. I don't know if anybody has a southern accent in this room. But I would say, tell Jesus, tell Jesus that. Because when he was serving communion, before he went to the cross to give his life, he says something interesting in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, take, and eat. This is my body. Take of me. Take it. You see, you can't give to the world what you didn't take from the Lord. You can't give to the world out of an empty heart that isn't filled by Jesus and the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. So you have to come to Him to be filled, but then you have to give to others out of the fullness He gave you. Because how can He refill you if you're so full of yourself and so full of all the things that you thought you knew for so long? It's time to empty it out and say, God, I'm ready to be filled again by you. Fill me. Fill me. Everybody say, fill me. Don't be offended. Fill me. I'm ready to be filled. Here, here. If my hands are full, I can't receive more. So I got to give it so I could receive. Right? Give and take. I'm really God. I just want to make this point as I close. Oh, I thought that was music. It was a motorcycle. All right. I'm really glad that God is not a matcher. 
I'm really glad that God is not the master because I would be so dead right now. Seriously. I would probably be like at 12 years old, gone, okay? Gone. I don't know about you. You might be a much better person than me, okay? Probably are, okay? But, but, but I would have been gone a long time ago if God was a matcher, if he gave me as much as I gave him. How many of you are glad that God is a giver and not a matcher? Anybody? Woo, okay, that's good news. When you sinned and I sinned, and we all sinned, and we deserve death, he gave you grace that is only available through Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad that God is not a matcher. Can I get one more Sunday morning amen? amen? Thank you. But I need to tell you, but I need to tell you that this church you're sitting in today is what, what it is because of give and take. You're only sitting where you are because some people have given and have taken. And the only way we're gonna become all that God wants us to be as a church is because of give and take. Everybody giving and everybody taking. God wants some people who will give their heart, their whole heart, who will give their whole life to Jesus. I don't want you to give your life to the Lighthouse Church of Christ. I just want you to love Jesus with everything you got. That's it. It's not about the name on the building. It's about the name written on your heart. Wholehearted people who will set their feet where God will call them and take what God will give by faith. I want you to look at your neighbor one more time. You can tell them bye-bye because I'm not talking to you anymore, but you can tell them, hey, say, tell them, take it by faith. Okay, that was weak. Say it again, take it by faith. And now say bye-bye. You're not gonna be talking. You see, when God makes you a promise, I'm coming to a close here, I promise. I said that 10 minutes ago, but I really, I'm really coming to a close. You see, when God makes you a promise, you can't look to see if it looks right. You have to take it by faith. You gotta look beyond what you see in this moment and start claiming what it already is, what it will become. It takes faith. There's times I walk into things and I'm like, oh man, I'm not ready for this, you know? But then I just gotta have faith. Like, God, you've already done it. You've already changed the hearts of the people in this room. It's not me. You already did it. I'm gonna claim it. My heart's already changed. I claim that. I feel good right now. I'm just letting you know that. I feel good. Not that that matters. Not that that matters. I'm just saying. This is good, this is good, not this is good. But you gotta take it by faith because you will never live out your calling. You will never live out the life God wants you to live if you live by sight. You gotta take it by faith. You gotta take it by faith. Think about all the, th all the different times where God filled what you brought him. And you're gonna see throughout the series how whatever you bring to God let me put it this way. God will fill whatever you bring him, but if you don't bring anything, then he has nothing to fill. You gotta bring something, guys. And, and ladies, you're not all guys, but you gotta bring something. You gotta bring something. He's not gonna pour it out on the ground and waste it. He's not gonna do that. And so as we come to a close, I wanna share something really powerful that God says to Joshua in chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to pray here in a moment. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. <laughs> that might be God's word for some of you. To, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Let's have some fun. And, 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 and there, check this out, you are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. I still got more for you. I still got more. How many people believe that God still has more for you? Come on, you got to. Even if you don't see it, just raise your hand by faith. Even if you got to fake it, you just got to raise your hand. God, I believe that you got more for me. There's still more. There's still large areas of land to be taken over. There's still some stuff I gave you that you haven't taken yet. 
God is giving every person in this church as we get ready for special missions, he's giving you an opportunity to fulfill purpose, but will you take it? Are you going to wait for God to give it, but you won't take it by faith? And after all he had already done through Joshua, he says this in verse 2, this is the land that remains. And he shows Joshua all of it. I pray that the Spirit of God would show you all that he has in store for you. What if God wants to take over? You know, what if what God wants to take over isn't so much something out there, outside of this building? I mean, there is stuff out there that God wants to take. There's people he wants to save. But what if there's still a level of purpose and fulfillment and true satisfaction that, he's, that, that he is never going to be yours as long as you continue, continue to settle in your faith? There's still so much more he wants for you, but as long as you settle and as long as you stay in your comfort zone, you won't possess it. In fact, I told my teens this week, your comfort zone is killing you. It's killing you. It's killing you. Come on, there's still land that remains to be taken. There is an opportunity for you to be involved, but the only question I have for our church is are we going to settle? Are we going to settle? Everybody shout, don't settle. Don't settle. settle. I really believe God wants to take it. So one day we can tell our children's children about what God did and what we saw and how people were brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ and baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. I mean, it's not gonna be easy, but there are people to be reached. There are stories to be written. There are lives to be changed. And we pray that in this season that every person will play a part of it, whether you are a teen, whether you are a college student, whether you are single, a married, Latino, whatever, that you will play a part and what God wants to do. Amen? So in this season, what is it that you need to receive from God today? He said, take this bread, eat it. This is my body broken for you. Take my grace, but don't you settle and just hold on to what I have been giving you. Don't hold on to it. Open your hands to give to others so that I can keep filling you back up. Let's give God and each other our best so that we can take a hold of what God has promised in our lives and in our church. Right now I'm gonna pray for our giving. God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you that you are not a matcher. And God, thank you that you're not a taker. God, thank you that you gave your son for us. That if you matched what we have given you, God, we would have been gone a long time ago. And so we're, go- we're so grateful for your mercy and your love and your grace and the life that you have given us. But we don't want to sit here and just hold on to it. We want to give it out so that other people can experience your love and your mercy and your grace, Father. We love you. Bless this giving. Multiply it. Just as you multiplied those loaves and, and those fish, God, I pray that you would multiply what we give to you today, that you would bless our special missions, special missions this year, Father, that it would help so many people in Mexico and Central America and in our area to know Jesus. We love you, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. Uh, During the passing, I want to kind of break down something for you, and then we're going to close out with a song called Good, Good Father.